How's everybody feeling? Y'all feel all right? Yeah? That was energetic. Um, would, y'all, would y'all pray with me? Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for gathering us here to be with you and to be with each other. We could not have thought of this ourselves. We could not have dreamt of this ourselves. Our spirits are responding to your spirit that wants to be with us. It's like what the scripture says, deep cries out to deep. So Lord, help us to remember that we are only here because you've made space for us to be here. Lord, I pray that you would open up heaven right over this room. Lord, I pray that your spirit would come. Lord, I pray that your spirit would rest on your people in a way that we have not experienced before. Lord, I pray for openness of heart and mind and posture. Lord, I pray that we come before you as humble servants. Not only humble servants, but deeply loved sons and daughters. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of who you've created us to be. Who you've created us to be from before the beginning and who you call us to be as the body of Christ in the world today. God, I pray that you would surround us with your love tonight, in this moment, in this place. Lord, I pray that you would surround us with your love in this moment, in this place, tonight. Lord, I believe that you've already begun the work of softening the hearts of the people. That you've begun the, that your spirit has begun the work of breaking up the fallow ground in each of our hearts. So that whatever you want to say to us would fall on good soil. Lord, you are forever exalted. You are forever glorified. You eternally sit on the throne at the right hand of the Father. And we thank you for that. We thank you that even right now you are interceding for us. We thank you for the riches of your great and glorious grace that you've revealed to us. It was at one point hidden, but is now made clear that it has always been your plan to bring us back to you. You're exalted. We give you thanks, praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all. So we're starting this new series. It's called Power at Work. I don't know if we have an image for that. No, we don't have an image. Okay. It's called Power at Work. And it was inspired by um, Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, it says, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think, or immeasurably above all that you can ask or think, according to the power at work within you. And something about that, like, knocked my socks off. Because to me, like, to imagine an almighty, all-powerful, omniscient, God who spoke the world into existence with a word to think that God has set his power at work within me. And that not only has he set his power at work within me, he set his power at work for me. And not only for me and not only within me, but I have the opportunity to exercise that power so that the capacity of my mind is not the limit of what can happen on behalf of the power of God that's living and working in me and through me and for me. It knocked my socks off. 
I remember a few weeks ago, uh, Jonathan Chan preached a sermon. Um, he just was talking about the four part gospel of, of, of God. And it talked about creation and, um, the fall and um, creation, redemption, creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration, and just talked about the fullness of the gospel of God, and how the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just to keep you out of hell, and it's not just to serve your neighbor, and it's not just to go to heaven when you die, and it's not just to be um, caretakers of the earth. It's all of those things, and I just remember feeling like, yo, we need to be reacquainted with the gospel. I remember thinking uh, a few weeks ago, we had a staff meeting, um, and I remember so clearly feeling so troubled um, in my spirit about um, the ways that I've exercised leadership slash abdicated leadership in places in this house, in this church. I felt the Lord was calling to this body to a place of holiness that we've not yet seen. Um, a place of submission and sacrifice that we've not yet experienced. And the Lord was driving me to a place of repentance and a place of obedience. But it wasn't just for me. I think it was for all of us. And I was like, all right, all right, cool, cool, cool. The next sermon series, let's talk about holiness. And I remember saying, we're going to do the holy, uh, this series called Holiness is Right. I used to have a card that said, had a bumper sticker that said Holiness is Right on the back. And I used to cut people off in traffic. And I'd be like, dang, I got that Holiness is Right sticker back there. <laughs> but for real, Holiness is Right, and it's never been wrong. I want to stand on that. But I, I remember the Spirit saying to me, before you talk about holiness being right, People have, the body, this church, this house has got to understand that talking about holiness, things to do and things to not do, just becomes another exercise of the law. It becomes a list of things to do and not do. And if you aren't serving Jesus out of love for him, then it's all for nothing. So what we're going to do over the next 10 weeks, we are going to first be reacquainted with the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I think that this is a road that many of us have gone down quite often. I I would be surprised if less than 85% of us in this room had never heard the message of the gospel. I'm pretty sure almost all of us had. That God created this world and God created this world good. God created the world and everything that we see in it. Uh, Trees, sky, sun, all of that. You, me, humanity. But then uh, humanity started smelling itself, got broad in the chest, and decided to separate itself from God. That was the fall. But God wasn't finished with us yet. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem and restore everything that we broke. And not only that, Jesus died, suffered, bled, and died for us. And not only did he die, but he was raised to life for us. And not only was he raised to life for us, but that same power that raised him from the dead, he deposited in each of us. And not only has he deposited in each of us, he's literally giving us the charge to go out and be lights in darkness. To do what he came to do, to be his hands and his feet in the earth. 
And not only that, not only has he given us his, his very own power, the very own power that raised him from the dead. Not only that, he's coming back for this church. He's coming back for the world that he created, the world that he framed from before the beginning of time. And he's going to set everything right. You guys have all heard that message before. And it's a familiar road that we're going to travel down tonight and over the next 10 weeks. But I feel like, you know, when you're driving home, so Sharika lives in the cut. You have to go down um, Gordon Lane and Creighton Road gets really curvy and it gets, there's deer. I think about this every time I drive to her house at night. I'm like, I'm going to be killed by a deer. This is it. This is it. But it's like once you get to know the road, you're familiar. You know when to accelerate. You know when to slow down. You know when your the body roll is coming in your SUV. And it's the same with the gospel. This is a familiar road. You know it. You know what's coming. I'm not going to share nothing new with y'all. It's not going to be new. But it's a journey that's worth taking again and again and again and again. Because the destination is a reawakened love for the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And only after we are serving, after we are rooted in our identity in the Father, only after we are awakened to the love of the Father, can we live out lives of holiness. It will not happen outside of that. Listen, I'm a witness. I've tried. I'm awful at it, which is why God had to get me together a few weeks ago. All right. So before we get started on that, I'm, the choir is going to come back up. Toya is actually going to give us a testimony about the transforming nature of the gospel in her life. I'm, uh, I'm really grateful she's been obedient. And I think the power of story and testimony just, I mean, the word says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb. We got that. We're covered in the word of our testimony. So um, we're doing some spiritual work right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hi, guys. Um, I've sung in front of thousands of people, but I hate public speaking <laughs> so much. But God has been too good to me for me to not stand here and be a witness of his love. Um, thank, thanks y'all. Um, so I grew up in church my whole life. Um, and I think that the image that I got of God was that he was like our boss and we work for him. Um, but if you're at a job and you have a boss and you work for them, if you don't meet qualifications then you're going to get fired, right? So to me, like you get fired, you're going to hell, you do your job well, you're going to heaven. Um, and so, um, it took me a while to realize God is a father um, and not a boss. Um, and that took lots of years. I think growing up in church, I always could hear God and people would say, you know, God loves you. Jesus loves you. But I didn't. I thought it was conditional. And um, at some point when I was in my early 20s, it felt like, um, have you all ever seen the show Hoarders? So you know how the people's houses get so awful, they're so overwhelmed that they just can't. They're just like laying on top of trash and they're just like, it's just too much. That's how I felt. I felt like, Lord, there's just, you're asking me for two, I, I can't. I'm just not even going to try anymore. I give up. I'm going to just let the house stay dirty. Um, which is what I did. And Erin <laughs> jokes, when she met me, I was just like, I think I'm Buddhist. I'm just, I'm trying something new. Like, I just don't even, I'm not messing with God right now. Um, which is where I was. And, um. 
So for a while, that was fine. I was having fun. I was not going to church. On Sundays, I was like going to Belle Isle, watching people like ride bikes with their kids. I was like, this is how the other half lives. This is amazing. Like going to brunch, you know? Um, and shortly after that, I, um, my husband and I, um, found out that we were pregnant. It was a surprise. And if you know me, um, I've shared this with you before. And, um, we had a miscarriage that was very hard physically and emotionally. Um, and oddly enough in that pain, I felt like God was there. I felt like it wasn't a moment where I felt like God was forsaking me. It was a moment where I felt him there and he was like hey i love you i never left you even though you've walked away i'm still here and he gave me peace he gave me healing um during that time and even like up until today um and a couple of years ago we were on a retreat and pastor don told us when someone when someone greets you for some reason in virginia how you're doing is a greeting i don't know why uh so people will see you and keep walking they'll be like, how you doing and they'll walk um, and I'll be like, well, actually, um, but Pastor Don said, every time someone asks you how you're doing, I want you to say I'm loved by God. And I was like, that's weird, Pastor Don. I'm not doing that. Um, but I did it. And like the fifth time I, somebody asked me how I was doing, I, it was my cashier at Food Lion. And they're like, um, hey, how you doing? And I was like, I'm loved by God. And it really hit me like God's love for me that. He's always thinking of me. Even my time here at Easton Fellowship has been so healing for me in ways that if you want me to talk to you about it, I'm glad to do that. Um, but just that God's love is so real. So now I'm just like, he's my father. It, this is not hoarders. Like, I can clean the house. It's fine because it's not about me being obedient because I'm going to get fired and go to hell. It's me being obedient because I'm God's. Like, I do the thing that God tells me to do because that's my father. Um, and that has been really transforming for me. So, that's it. Thank you, Toya. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And I think our response to a life transformed by the gospel, especially to a testimony like that, is thanks and praise and blessing of the God who is our, the father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the choir is going to sing um, a song called Revelations 19 and 1. Yeah. And uh, it comes from Revelations 19 and 1. Spoiler alert. And it's... Um, a multitude, a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, and they're saying, Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. Salvation and power and glory belong to our God. Hallelujah. So the choir is going to sing this song. I invite y'all, listen, go for broke. It's a good song. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be blessings on the sovereign God 
from Paul, one of King Jesus' apostles, through God's purpose to the holy ones in Ephesus who are also loyal believers and King Jesus. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus the King give you grace and peace. Let us bless God. Let us bless God, the Father of our Lord Jesus the King. He has blessed us in the King with every spirit-inspired blessing in the heavenly realm. He chose us in him... He chose us in him before the world was made, so as to be holy and irreproachable before him in love. He foreordained us for himself to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus the King. That's how he wanted it. And that's what gave him delight, so that the glory of his grace, the grace he poured on us, his beloved ones, might receive its due praise. In the king and through his blood, we have deliverance. That is, our sins have been forgiven through the wealth of his grace, which he lavished on us. Yes, with all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the secret of his purpose, just as he wanted it to be and set it forward in him as a blueprint for when the time was ripe. His plan was to sum up the whole cosmos in the king. Yes, everything in heaven and on earth in him. In him we have received the inheritance. We were foreordained to this. We were foreordained to this according to the intention of the one who does all things in accordance with the counsel of his purpose. This was so that we, we who first hoped in the king, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you too who heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed it. In him you were marked out with the spirit of promise, the holy one. And that spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until the time when the people who are God's special possession are finally reclaimed and freed. This too is for the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. If you guys don't leave knowing anything else today or understanding anything else today, God's love has been set on you since before the beginning of time. God's love has been set on you since before the beginning of time. God's love has been set on you since before the beginning of time. God's love has been set on you since before the beginning of time. God's love has been set on you since before the beginning of time. There's just something about that phrase, the beginning of time. Other versions say, since before the foundation of the world. And I, um, something about that just leaps off the page to me. Because I'm thinking about what scripture says about the foundation of the world. And we find that in Genesis chapter 1. And it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the waters, and the Spirit of God hovered over the earth. And when it says in the beginning, it's not really talking about in God's beginning. It's talking about the beginning of the things that our mind can understand. So before that, go to the very lengths of your of what you could possibly understand or conceive. Go to the very lengths of what time is in your mind before that. God set his love on you. An almighty God, full of power, 
full of grace, full of truth, created the earth and everything in it, things seen and unseen. And that God set his love on you. A timeless God who created the earth and everything in it, things seen and unseen, set his love on you. And it says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. When I was talking to Toya um, about her testimony earlier, she said a, she made a, a statement. She said that when she miscarried, she felt, correct me if I'm getting this wrong, there was like this emptiness. Yeah. And... Over time, she was able to recognize that in that emptiness, the love of God filled that, filled that up and transformed her life. And that just reminds me about the very beginning, about how God creates space and then fills it. Because it says, in the beginning, I created the heavens and the earth. And God made, here's, here's how I like to put it, God creates spheres and then fills them. So the spheres of creation are heavens earth and sea, right? So God created the heavens and filled it with lights, filled it with birds and stuff. God created the earth, filled it with animals and things and plants. God created the sea and filled it with fish and swarming things. From the beginning of what our minds can understand, God creates spheres and fills them. But the creation of the heaven and the earth was not the end of what God created. No, it's pretty much just the beginning. In day six, God created male and female, made in his image, made in the image of God. And in him, I believe, this is, listen, y'all could push back on this later, not right now. I believe that in the hearts of man and woman, male and female, he created spheres and he filled them. Because because God created male and female in his image, he created them like himself in his image. Right? So God is creative. God is has the power to like bring life and God deposited some of that in us. And the sphere that God created within us is the capacity to create, to multiply, and to rule. That's what God did. And he, he put that sphere within us. And then he filled it. He gave us the charge to be fruitful, to multiply, to exercise dominion in the earth. But one thing I noticed about spheres and the things that fill them is that there was boundaries for those spheres. So there was heaven and earth, and sea. And they played together really, really well, but they weren't broken. Not until the creation that was made in the image of God decided to break the sphere that was placed within them. God gave them the ability and the power to make their own choices, to to choose, to rule, to exercise dominion. But the boundary of that sphere was, you can't do nothing, I say, don't do God said, listen, there's some fruit in that tree. Don't eat it. That's the boundary. And they were like, "Mm." and they obeyed for a little while, but then they decided, broke that membrane, that boundary. And in, 
in that act, the boundaries and the spheres of like everything we see around us became broken as well. Like if you look at the earth, I feel like I was in Charleston last week and we had a culinary tour guide and the woman was saying, Leah was with me. The woman was saying um, that Charleston is sinking into the, into the ocean. And she was just like, Charleston is not long for this earth. And I feel like I've, it was very foreboding. And we were like, we're just trying to enjoy our um, brisket, <laughs> ma'am. Uh, I liked it. They thought it was weird. Um, but what's interesting is that it feels like the boundaries of like the spheres God have, has created are slipping away. And I think that's the result of us destroying the boundary, the the boundary of the sphere that God gave us. And I just think like within us still, even though that, that boundary exists, that sphere exists and we broke it, God's purpose towards each of us was to restore it. So like when Toya had that whole experience of a very painful experience of losing her baby and she felt empty inside, that was God being like, sis, I'm trying to feel that. And I think about this church, Eastern Fellowship, and I'm thinking about the spaces that are being created right now. Um, I think about the words that we've received about new wine and new wineskin, how the Lord wants us to have a new wineskin so he can fill it with new wine. And I think it's challenging for us to be in those spaces where we just see the space, but it hasn't quite been filled yet. So my prayer for us is that we would press in together as a body and ask God to do what he's been doing since before the beginning of time. And the gospel is how it's represented in the story of the prodigal son that's found in Luke 15. There's a son that demands, there's a man, he got two sons, right? One younger son says, you know what, daddy, I'm sick of you. I'm sick of, you know, your friends. I'm sick of this house. Give me my money. I'm going to leave. The daddy says, fine, go on and leave. And uh, the elder brother stays behind and works. So the younger son gets all his money. He goes and he leaves. He parties, tears it up, smokes it up, drinks it up, spends it on, you know, people, places, and things, and runs out of money. And all his friends are, poof, gone. And uh, he gets to a place where he's, he, has, he has nothing. He's starving. And he goes and he finds a job as a, not even a pig farmer, not a pig farmer, a pig feeder, which I feel like pigs can feed themselves. It's just the person to put the food in the trough. But he literally is working with the pigs and he's so hungry. He's so empty that he says, I'm going to fill myself with what the pigs are eating. That at least, I mean, then he says, get the heck out of here. I'm not going to do that. He says that in my father's house, even the servants eat better than this. And the Bible says he comes to his senses. And he goes back home and he's rehearsing his speech all the way home. He's just like, all right, cool. I'm going to, when I see my dad, I'm going to say, hey, dad, look, love you. I'm going to um, work in your house. You don't even have to like for real fool with me. Just if you just let me have like a cot or like a pallet on the floor 
something to eat every once in a while. He's saying it over and over and over and over. And he's getting close to the place kind of where his dad could maybe be. But the Bible says that his father sees him from a distance and takes off running to meet him. Takes off running to meet him. And gathers him in his arms. He's like my son. He was lost, but now he's found. He's returned to me. And uh, he's like, Bring, give him the ring. Kill the fatted calf. Put the ring on his finger. And the son is right back to where he was supposed to be. There was a space and it was filled. And I just think that's a beautiful testimony of how a lot of us, listen, we have the goodness of God. And we say, thanks but no thanks. I'm going to be Buddhist for a while or whatever. I'm going to go my own way for a while. I reject Jesus. I reject what Jesus is doing for me. You go away for a while. But then it's just like there's a moment where you come to your senses and the father comes running, running to meet us, comes running to receive us, comes running to bring us back into the warm, comfortable household where there's a fatted calf. Just freshly slaughtered for us to enjoy. I think about the gospel as it pertains to the woman that's caught in adultery. I think about how in that story, the religious elite brought her out before Jesus and said, okay, teacher, what you going to do about her? Adultery is a crime that's worth being stoned for. What you going to say? And they sat back. It was like, he ain't going to come up with much. Watch, watch. And she's, think, can you imagine the woman cast, like, literally just before all of these men who are judging her, ready to stone her, and are within the rights of the law to do so? Can you imagine the fear? And we don't even know if she had any choice in the adultery part. We don't know. But what Jesus does, instead of getting caught up in their foolishness, he says, any of you who's without sin, cast the first stone. And all of her accusers, boom, are gone away. And he says to her daughter, go and sin no more. This kind of gospel is for me and it's for you. I also think about the gospel of the woman at the well. You see, I love how Jesus loves Jesus does the ladies right. He's just there for them. He is here for women. They got all these special stories. He, Jesus be chastising the brothers, but the women, he be like, sis, I know. Look it up. <laughs> the woman at the well. Jesus said, listen, lady, you draw a woman out the well. I'm thirsty. Give me something to drink. She was just like, I you're not even supposed to be talking to me. You're a Jew. He was like, don't worry about that. And then she just, he was like, listen, um, go tell your husband, um, I'm here. And she was like, I ain't got no man. I ain't got no husband. He was like, that's exactly right. You sure don't. You've had five. The one you got isn't yours. And she was like, caught man. I perceive that you're a prophet, but he doesn't go in on her. He doesn't say, get thee behind me, you worker of iniquity. Satan, I bind you up and cast you out in my own name. He doesn't do any of that. What he says, listen, he, ex- he exposes to her the mystery of the gospel. He's saying, like, listen, I know you've been bound by, like, religiosity and churchianity. Pastor Don. 
And um, you think that worship is supposed to be this particular way. You think you have to be this particular person in order to worship the God of all creation. But what I came to do is to break you out of that mold. I came that there would be rivers of living water springing up out of you. And you'd never have to thirst again. Maybe the reason why you had all them husbands is because you're thirsty. Listen, there's a sphere inside and I'm here to fill it. God creates spheres and he fills them. This is a gospel for me and it's a gospel for you. Also here, I'm also here for the gospel of the rich young ruler. Told you he come for the brothers. The rich young ruler from Mark chapter 10. This guy comes up to Jesus. Jesus is teaching, doing his thing. The rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and says, hey man, what must I do? To be a part of the kingdom of God. And he's feeling very confident. Have you ever come across a young man who just is very confident? Yes. All the time. Very confident. He was like, listen, I done did this. I done kept all the rules. I done did all the things I was supposed to do. I haven't fornicated. I haven't lusted. I paid my tithes. I paid my offering. I only watch one episode of Netflix a day. I drink water. You know what I'm saying? Like... I have all of it together. And Jesus says, all right, but listen, I see your heart. You've got all the actions right. But listen, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. This is the gospel that's for you and for me. The gospel that asks us to give up everything. This is the gospel for you and for me. The gospel that asks us to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is the gospel for you and me that says, what shall a man man gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? It's better for a man to lose his life and that he shall gain eternal life. This is a gospel for you and me. I'm here for the gospel of the little children brought to Jesus, of the mamas and daddies bringing their kids to be laid hands on by Jesus. They were like, this man got something. These kids are driving me crazy. I've got to get somebody to lay hands on on them. And the disciples were like, this is not for kids. This is for the serious adults. And Jesus said, absolutely not. Let the little children come unto me. Let them come quickly because the kingdom of heaven is going to be given to such as these. This is a gospel for you and me. This is the gospel that asks, that invites us to come to Jesus as little children. Hearts full of expectation, minds open, hearts softened. This is the gospel for you and me. I'm also here. This isn't a parable, but I'm also here for the gospel of the world right now and the broken state it exists in right now. I often am just like, okay, so Lord, can you just fix all the things? I actually had a conversation with somebody not this long ago. God, if you just, you have the power to fix everything and you don't, I have an attitude about that. Why don't you just do it? But here's the gospel for the Lord delaying his coming. Because when it's finally done all the way, it's over. And the Lord delaying his coming is so that we, the church, would bring more and more and more people into his flock. I'm here for the gospel of the Lord delaying his coming. It may not feel like this is what God ought to do, but I'm here for the gospel of the Lord delaying his coming for me and for you. That's why we're here today. 
Because the Lord has delayed his coming for us. So East End Fellowship. Loved ones. What is this gospel? Before God made the world. He chose us to be sons and daughters. And to receive a glorious inheritance. In the life to come. And not only in the life in the world to come. But also in the life we live right now. He's called us to live lives of power. And he's not just asking us to get up the power from ourselves. He's given us everything we need for a life of godliness. We have power to live life on the earth right now. A life redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Forgiven of every sin and sealed with the Holy Spirit. That self-same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And that spirit... Is a guarantee of an inheritance until we possess it. And what's that inheritance? An inheritance is a glorious future that awaits us. There's a, there's a longing in each of us for something that we haven't even experienced. But we've got to believe that since God has been creating spheres and filling them from before the beginning of the earth, God is going to fill the sphere of expectation that exists within us right now. I know we get weary in the waiting. But it's good news. It's good news. It's good news that there's an inheritance to come. There may be some of us in here who have not. I'm going to ask the choir to come back up. There may be some of us in here. Who haven't yet experienced the love of God. Surrounding them and covering them in a way that's transformed them. Some of us have not made a decision yet to follow Jesus. Um, And if you're here tonight and that's you, I'd invite you to come and make the best decision of your life. To live a life that's abundant. To live a life that's full. To live a life that's been promised to you. If you feel in your life like there's an emptiness, like there's a void, God wants to fill that for you. God wants, God creates fears and God fills them. There's some of us in here who are quite familiar with the love of God. It feels great, but it's been a long time since we've encountered it. And we might be thinking, has my life actually been transformed by the gospel? I would share my faith, but does it make a difference? Why would I invite anybody into just a life of taking up your cross and sacrifice? My prayer for you tonight is that you would experience the love of God in a fresh way, in a new way, in a way that only the Spirit of God can have you experience. My prayer is that those of us who are feeling like a longing for more, a longing for more from this world, a longing for more from this life of faith. My prayer tonight is that we would turn our hearts toward the Father and that we would realize that God's power has been set at work in us and for us and through us. The power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in each of us. The power that raised Christ from the dead is at work within each of us. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your 
your kindness, your grace that um, reaches to us again and again and again and again and again and again and again. But I pray we would know the richness of your love. God, I pray that we would have the eyes of our hearts enlightened and that we would know the hope that you have called us to. What are the riches of your glorious inheritance in us and the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us? Lord, I pray that we would know that power afresh. Thank you for your love. I'm going to, in Jesus' name I pray, I'm going to ask the prayer team to go to their spots. Listen, in our church, what we do here once a month is a regular rhythm. We we highly recommend that you touch and agree with one of our ministry team, their elders and prayer team folks, and just have them pray over you. Have them um, impart a word of knowledge over you. We're here for you. The altar is open. There's something that happens when we align our bodies with our spirits, when we like have an act of humbling ourselves and or prostrating ourselves before God that like opens something up in us and it makes us more receptive to the power of God. So I pray that as you hear the words of these next, this next song, um, that you will respond to the work that the Spirit is doing in you. And remember that God's love has been set on you from before the beginning of time. And any void that's in your life, any lack, God wants to fill it. You've got to believe that. God wants to fill it. Amen.